starting the day with your customized alarm, falling asleep listening to Calm, routes to work on Google Maps, group chats on WhatsApp, podcasters, bloggers, influencers, vloggers, the one thing you must do to live longer. Buzzfeed headlines, climate deadlines, searching Google for answers, binge watching TikTok dancers, tear gas placating the masses, organic food packaged in plastic, the great Pacific garbage patch, the 10 year challenge, two essential steps to achieving a life of balance, $30,000 sneakers, robot teachers, Kim Kardashian's maternity dress, three vital habits that guarantee success, Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, 4G, 5G, 6G, AI, VR, 360, drive-through pharmacies, pills to help you sleep, pills to keep you awake, pills to stop the side effects of the pills you take, same-day delivery, targeted ad epiphanies, flaunt your wealth, pouting for a selfie, four important ways to getting more healthy, the political left, the political right, polar bears standing on melting ice, Alexa what's the meaning of life, fast fiber, driverless cars, holes in the ozone, colonizing Mars, posting pictures of your best day ever on Insta, Twitter, Snapchat, Meta, five quick cheats to make your life better, deep fake, fake news, January blues, cancel culture, guilty until proved, Netflix, Prime, YouTube TV, HBO, Crunchy rolls, sunsets via live stream, Black Friday panic, space junk orbiting the planet, rising prices, hospitals in crisis, six tips to help you become more decisive, seven techniques that guarantee rest, an ever-growing sense of hopelessness, eight proven methods to help you worry less, where do I fit in all of this, nine secrets for reducing stress, I search for my soul in this modern wilderness, ten top tips to have the best year yet to make happiness increase to find the life you seek trying to buy my peace trying to find myself trying to be like everyone else doing everything this world expects of me i'm liked i'm followed i'm viral i'm trending life unending in this kingdom of plenty so why do i feel so empty Well, <laughs> what a sum up of kind of daily living in the society. And I think watching that, it's a reminder that you and I, we need help. We need help. We, we need help in this world that's so full of so-called truths. We need help in this world that's so full of noise and that so easily confuses and frustrates and just throws all this chaos at us, we need help. And by the way, you've always needed help. I don't know if you know that, but you've always needed it. Uh, you needed it when you were a baby just to live and eat. You needed it when you were a toddler to walk. You needed help learning how to swim and play sport. You needed help at school. You, you needed help learning how to drive a car. You, you needed help in your relationships, and by the way, I wish that the, the need for help stopped when we got older, but as you age, guess what? You still need help. In fact, why don't you look at someone and encourage them with that truth, look at them and say, you need some help.
The thing is, church, if you're anything like me, we're not that great at asking for the help. Right? We, we like to have the sense like we've got life together, man. We have things sorted out. And yet you look around you and what do you see? You just see people kind of struggling. Right? There's, there's real struggle in life. We see Christians struggling. You see Christians struggling in their marriage, in their thoughts, in their choices. They, some are struggling with addictions. Some are struggling with habits. Some feel like they're just one more bad thing away from snapping. Some feel the pressure is too much and the noise is too loud. Some are struggling in their, their, their family and their relationships and their identity. Some are struggling in their faith and there's just so much struggle. And you kind of look at all these Christians that need help. And you think, why is a kind of Christian struggle? Like, why is there struggle within us as Christians? And so let me remind you, Christians, if you're a Christian today, let me remind you, how did you get into this kingdom? You, you got into this kingdom by believing that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. It's pretty easy to get into the kingdom. But through that belief, you became adopted in the kingdom and you are now a son or a daughter of the king. And it turns out coming into the kingdom, it's pretty easy. But living as part of the kingdom, like living as a child of the king, a son of the king, a daughter of the king, living as, as royalty, as godly royalty, that is where all of us need help. And so here's the good news today. Help is here. Help has been made available. Jesus has sent the help. He sent it. He promised it and it has come. Help has arrived. Look at someone and say, help is here. Help is here. All we have to do, church, is ask. But the help is available. Let's read where Jesus promised us in the book of John chapter 14. He says this from verse 15. We read this verse last week. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another, let's all say together, Amen. helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come back to you. Four times in this Last Supper discourse, this Upper Room discourse, four times Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a helper. Now, if you're reading in John 14, your Bible translation might say it differently. In fact, as groups of people came to translate the Greek into English, they struggled with what's the right English word. For this original Greek word, some would say helper, some say advocate, some say counselor, some say comforter, some say redeemer. I wonder what your Bible translation says. And why all the different interpretations of this word? Because the original word in the Greek is this word paraclete. Can you say paraclete? And paraclete, it's a hard word to translate into English because there is no English substitute. It's actually a combination of two things at one time. The first thing that paraclete means is friend, Mikey, right? The Holy Spirit has been given to you as a friend, Jesus was saying. 
And I love that Jesus drives us down again four times. He's mentioning in this one conversation, he's your friend. He's your friend. He's your friend as part of the Trinity. One of the part of the Godhead is here in you as a friend. And the second thing that paraclete means, it's someone that defends you. Like not a legal professional, but as if a friend was coming to help you out in court. As if a friend was coming to defend your name in a legal setting. It's someone, it's a friend who comes and and has your back and shows up for you. And Jesus says again and again and again, this is who the Holy Spirit is to you. He's a friend that defends you. He's a friend that fights and battles for you. He's got your back, man. He's not a friend who's going to leave you. He's a paraclete. He's a friend who defends. How many of you are grateful that there is a part of the Trinity that is fighting for me? There's a part of the Trinity that is helping, helping you, is helping me. This is who Jesus says the Holy Spirit is. He's a paraclete. He's a friend who defends. And there's so many ways he helps us. Do you know that the Holy Spirit helps you for daily living? He helps you for daily living. In the Old Testament, what we see is the Holy Spirit kind of coming on people for a season, for a task, and then he would leave. And he would empower them or anoint them for a certain time or for a certain task, and then he would leave. But do you know that that changed in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit doesn't come on you for a task. He doesn't empower you for a season. He comes on you for every single day living, which means, church, tomorrow morning when you wake up, guess who you wake up with? The paraclete. When you go to work, wherever you're going, when you go to your school to study, guess who you go with? When you go for your friend with coffee and when you meet up with your mates for a braai, when you go watch that rugby game, guess who you go with? The paraclete is with you, your friend who's an advocate who defends you. Some of you might be going out into the world thinking, oh, I just don't have enough friends. I don't really have people that... Help me, but the truth is you're not alone. You have a helper who empowers you for every single day living. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's yours. He's your paraclete. He does life with you. Listen to this promise in Romans 8 verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Do you see, church, that there is no version of Christianity without the Holy Spirit living in you? He lives in us. He's in you. He's in you right now for daily living. He's in you as you sit here. All of us, all of us who are Christians, we have within us the presence of the Holy Spirit, a friend who defends us, a friend who's got our back, a friend who is on our side. A member of the Trinity, isn't that crazy? That part of God lives in me to befriend me and defend me. That's what you and I have, a friend who helps us for daily living. And we see daily he does certain things. For example, he helps us by teaching us. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is a teacher? He's a good teacher. In Romans 14, in John 14, it says from verse 25, Jesus says, all of this I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, first of all, will teach you. Everyone say, teach you. Teach you all the things, and he will remind you. Everyone say, remind you. He will remind you of everything that I've said. I love this activity of the Holy Spirit. As he does daily life with us, what does he do? He starts to teach us. Why? Because Jesus says, 
This is another advocate. And just like Jesus taught the Holy Spirit now, does what Jesus did, he teaches us. Not only does he teach us, he reminds us. That's why every time you come to the scripture, guys, you're not coming alone. Every time you open this book, you're not reading it alone. This book will not make sense to the world. Right, because they don't have the Holy Spirit to teach them, to enlighten them. It will look like foolishness to the world. But you and I who are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he, when we come and look at this book, he teaches us. And then he reminds us of whatever we've learned. That's why, church, it's so important you come to this book and you, you bring it, you, you absorb it, you, you memorize it, you read it, you come to it. You know, the Holy Spirit can only remind you of something you've heard before or read before. That's what the word remind means. He can't remind you of something you've never heard or read. And so we come to this book, we come to his word, we read the words of Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can bring it to remembrance. And some of you, you've actually had that experience. You've already had that happen in your life. You've been through something, you've been in a trial, you've been in a place of difficulty. And in that moment, this random scripture that you once heard just comes to mind. Ever happened to you? And like, wow, just this, this verse that maybe you're reading that morning or maybe you learned in Sunday school as a kid or something you heard in a sermon the week before, suddenly those words just come to mind in that moment and it encourages you and it strengthens you. Do you know who's doing that? It's your paraclete. It's your friend who defends you. He teaches us and he reminds us. I'm sure some of you who have read the word of God, you've had that experience where as you're reading, it's like this words jump off the page and hit you in the eyes, right? Who's doing that? It's the Holy Spirit. Where you've read a verse that you have read a thousand times before, but this time it looks new. And you notice it almost for the first time. There's a new revelation to it. And it's like it's been illuminated. Who does that illuminating of the Word of God? It's the Holy Spirit. It's like this big cosmic highlighter comes out of heaven. And it's like, Ryan, read this. Like, this is for you. Who's doing that work? It's the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. He teaches us. He enlightens us. He reminds us. Do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to take you deeper in this word? He wants to give you fresh revelation. He wants to give you fresh manner for today. He wants to teach you new things. If you would come to this with the faith that the Holy Spirit is reading this with you, he will enlighten you. He will teach you. And when you leave this word and go into the world, he will remind you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your expression, your experience with scripture. Not only does he teach you and remind you, but another way he helps us is that he prays for you. Man, this is so beautiful that there's a member of the Trinity. Just think through this. There's one member of the Trinity speaking to another member of the Trinity about you. Isn't that crazy? That there's one member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and he's interceding, which means he's praying deeply and consistently on my behalf to the Father in the throne of heaven. Listen, church, as a pastor in this church, I have some personal intercessors assigned to me, all the pastors I do. We've got people that have been committed to praying for us daily and so appreciative of it. We need it. But I want to say, even if I didn't have those personal intercessors, I still have an intercessor. 
I have one who stands in heaven, and my name is on his lips before the throne of God. I have one who makes intercession for me on my behalf because sometimes I just don't have the words. Sometimes I don't even know how to pray. Sometimes I'm at a loss for words, or for some of you, you're not at a loss for words. You've got too many words. Like they all just like want to come out at the same time, and you just don't even know where to start. It's just too much all at once. Well, you have a paraclete who stands before the throne of heaven, and he intercedes on your behalf. He prays for you. He's got your back, church. The Holy Spirit is there in your corner. Listen to these words in the book of Romans chapter 8. It says from verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because uh, sometimes you can't help yourself, right? Sometimes there's no one to help you. On um, the devil, he wants to make you believe you're alone. That no one understands. No one knows what you're going through. No one cares for you. But I want to remind you today that's a lie. Because the Spirit, he helps you in your weakness. And this is how he helps you. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance, listen to this, with the will of God. <laughs> because your prayers sometimes, they're, they're not in accordance with the will of God. Let's be, let's be honest. Sometimes when you pray, your prayers are too small and you limit God's power. Sometimes when you pray, your prayers are selfish. Sometimes they're out of God's will. But do you know that there is one who's praying for you in the perfect, perfectly in accordance to the will of God? It's the Spirit of God. He prays for you. In fact, we're going to see in a few weeks' time, He can even give you a spiritual language so that your prayers, called speaking in tongues, so that your prayers can be lined up in the perfect will of God. He, he shows us how to pray as He prays for us. In our weakness, when we don't know what to pray, we know that there's a Holy Spirit praying for us, which means even when it seems everyone's against you, the Holy Spirit, He is for you. And He is with you. And He's praying for you. And some of you, you feel alone in life and you feel like no one gets you and no one's there. No one has your back. But it's a lie, church. The Holy Spirit is there. And right now, in your weakness, He's interceding for you in heaven. It's your name on His lips. It's your name on His heart. He's praying about your weaknesses. I don't know what your weakness might be. I don't know what you're going through, but I know the Holy Spirit He's praying for you and he's praying in the perfect will of God. And I, I believe that that's why he can steer our prayers. He can help us in our prayer. He can guide us in our prayer. The Holy Spirit prays for you. Look at someone and say, he's praying for me. When I started to really believe this, I don't know what happens in your heart, but I'll tell you what starts to happen in mine when I realize that I have an advocate who's there for me all the time who's teaching me and reminding me and helping me pray and praying for me. When that's really a truth, something starts to happen in my soul. It's like hope rises up. And I just pray, this is my prayer for you today. Wherever you're listening to this, wherever you're watching this, I pray that hope would rise up in your life. You know, there should be no such thing as a hopeless Christian because we have a paraclete. In fact, this is a way, one of, one of the ways the Holy Spirit wants to help you is He wants to give you his hope. So one of his functions in our lives is to give you hope in a world that's so hopeless. The Holy Spirit gives you hope. Listen to this. It's part of the supernatural power of the Spirit. It says this in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope 
May he fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Man, when you abound in hope, guess what your life is filled with? It's joy and peace, right? Because I have hope. No matter what I'm going through, I don't have hope because my circumstances are good and my future looks bright. I have hope because of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit who I know is praying for me and in me and with me and teaching me. It gives me hope in life. No matter the storm, I always think of Jesus. I am so amazed that it's in the boat, in the storm, there he is sleeping. Right? I mean, you know how much hope you must have, how confident you must be in who God is and who you are. To be able to sleep in the storm, just this measure of peace. The Holy Spirit wants to give that to you. He supernaturally wants to make you hopeful. Imagine, church, imagine if Christians were known as the hopeful ones. If people looked at you as your life was falling apart, as you got that bad doctor's report, as you lost your job, as you fought with your kids and, and, and were having strife with your marriage, imagine in the middle of the storm, if people looked at you and said, you must be one of those Christians. Because how can you have so much hope now? Don't you know what you're going through? Don't you know how messed up your life is? Let me tell you, how can you have hope? We say, because the paraclete lives in me. It's a supernatural power of God that gives me hope. And so as he does this, as he teaches us and prays for us and gives us hope, the Holy Spirit starts to help us by changing us. He changes us. I'm pretty sure there's things about yourself you don't like. I'm pretty sure when you look at your faith and your relationship with God, there's probably things you want to change. But I've got some bad news for you guys. Human beings are terrible at changing themselves. We just suck at it. We, we're really bad at changing ourselves. We, we can like look at all the faults, but... Maybe we, we might be good for a day or two, but we're, we're really not good. We're not known for being good at changing ourselves. Do you know that you need help in that? Mm -hmm. And you know that you've been given that help? The Holy Spirit is able to transform us, to make us new, to reform our identity. And what's he changing us into? An image of Jesus. So we start to think like Jesus thought and speak like Jesus spoke, and walk like he walked, and live like he lived. The Holy Spirit wants to put a newness in your soul in the area of your emotions. He, want to, he wants to grow new emotions through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. He wants to just grow these things in you. He wants to change you. You don't have to do the changing. He's going to do the changing. Isn't that good news? As you look at your life and see all the things you need to change, you can just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm open, change me. Like, I, I, I'm going to try as much as I can to walk in obedience. I'm going to try as much as I can to come to your word. I'm going to try as much as I can to spend time with you, but I know you're going to do the changing. Listen to how Jesus changes us in Ezekiel 36 from verse 26. It says, and I will give you a new heart. Everyone say new heart. Some of you this morning, that's your desire. You realize your heart is rotten. You're praying for a new heart. It says, I'll put a new spirit in you. Everyone said new spirit. Some of you, your spirit is downcast and it's heavy and you're, just, you're asking for a new spirit. It says, I will take out your stony and stubborn heart. <laughs> Some of you, you know what it feels like. It feels like your heart is stony and stubborn. 
and I will give you a tender and responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Isn't it beautiful that the work of the spirit makes us more obedient? Right, if you're struggling in the area of obedience in your life, the solution lies in the paraclete. It lies in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants to change you. You've just got to let him. You've got to surrender to him. You've got to be open to that work, but he will do the changing in your life. Some of you are struggling to love people that you have deemed unlovable. (laughs) You're struggling with some habits in your life. You're struggling to forgive people that have hurt you so badly. You might be struggling with your patience or with rage, with lust, with envy, with jealousy. Well, I've got some good news. Help has arrived. Help has come. And it's through the Holy Spirit. He will change you so that we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed through the renewing of our mind. Who's doing that work? It's the Spirit of God. He's going to renew you. He renews us. He changes us. And as He starts to change us, one of the things He helps us with is we become bold for Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps make us bold. He empowers us. And one of the signs that he's in our lives is we become bold witnesses. We're bold for Jesus. In fact, this is one of the first things we see about the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, as the Spirit of God is poured out on the disciples, one of the things, the first things we see is they suddenly become bold. And I love that scripture highlights that it's Peter who jumps up and starts to preach because you just turn over a few pages and you see Peter. He's not that guy. Yeah, you see him, he's in a courtyard and Jesus, he's been taken away and he's on trial. And they're like, hey, Peter, don't you follow that Jesus guy? And he's like, who? Jesus who? Right, we see him three times deny Jesus, ashamed of Jesus, not bold at all. But something changes in those pages and the thing that changes, the power of the Holy Spirit came on Peter and suddenly he became a bold witness for Jesus. Some of you, you have people in your life and you know you need to tell them about Jesus, but you're lacking the boldness. You're lacking the courage to bring it up to your in-laws. You're you're lacking the courage to to mention and invite your boss to church. You're lacking the courage to put something on social media you just you're lacking boldness well the good news is help has come the holy spirit makes you bold in fact one of the evidence one of the evidences that the spirit of god is in your life is that you become bold for jesus not ashamed to mention his name not ashamed to tell people your testimony not ashamed to mention hey this is what god is doing in my life i'm bold and it's the holy spirit who changes us to make us more bold And so we see him every single day. He's teaching us. He's praying for us. He's giving us hope. He's changing us. He's making us bold. But there's another thing that Jesus mentions. In fact, he calls a paraclete this three times in the conversation. He refers to him as the spirit of truth. This paraclete, he's a spirit of truth. Of truth. He's a spirit of truth, which means the Holy Spirit, he cannot lie and he cannot deceive and he cannot lead you to lie and he cannot lead you to deceive. There's only truth in him. And I would never have imagined that the word truth would become so contested, right? That it can bring up so many emotions because at the moment, this world has a lot of views on truth. 
There's many who don't believe there is a truth. There's an absolute truth. There's people who believe that truth is kind of relative. It's in the eye or the mind or the heart of the beholder. And you look, you look at people, right? This world is like, is there even truth? Where is the truth? What is the truth? You watch people having debates. And there'll be one guy on this side and he's like so confident in his opinion and he's just so sure of himself and he knows this is the truth, but he's in disagreement with the guy on the other side of the stage who's so sure of his opinion and he knows this is the truth and he's speaking from conviction and you look at this and all these loud voices in the world and you're like, is there even truth anymore? But there's one who's come to help us find the truth. In fact, he himself is the spirit of truth, and that is the Holy Spirit. And that means, guys, that truth lives in you. If you're a Christian, truth lives in you. Isn't that beautiful? In fact, I went to look at what this Greek word truth means. And in the Greek, it's this word aletheia. Now, if you're Greek and I'm saying it wrong, forgive me. Aletheia. And it speaks of two things. The beginning part of that word speaks about being without or something being absent, something being missing. Second part of that word speaks about something being hidden or ignorance. So when it says he's the spirit of truth, what it's telling us is that the Holy Spirit literally, it means that nothing is hidden for him. He is without any ignorance. (laughs) Isn't that good news? I'm so glad the Holy Spirit's without any ignorance because by the way, as human beings, our truth always has ignorance in it because we don't know all things. There's always something we're ignorant of, but not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is without ignorance because he knows all things. He's omniscient. And so there's no ignorance in his truth. It's devoid of any kind of ignorance. His truth is perfect truth. And so it tells us, church, there is a perfect truth. There is an absolute truth. And it is found in God's word. It's found in the Holy Spirit. Which means you can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust what he's told us through his word, which is inspired by the Spirit of God. You can trust it. Even as you come to read this book, we need the Holy Spirit's help to rightly divide this word, to properly understand it. Otherwise, we can even be in error of our interpretation without the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of truth who helps us read this book. I want us to look at this piece of scripture in Isaiah chapter 8. It says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and mutter, should not people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction. Everyone say God's instruction. And the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. And Isaiah, he's telling us that when you need consultation, who do you go to? You know, you can try go to these spiritual things. You can try go to some gormas or ancestors. You can try go to earthly things and look to, I don't know, e-news or some bulletin or something you follow online we can try look at all these things and they're going to tell us the truth about who you are and they're going to tell us the truth about what they think marriages or family is or morality or spirituality or relationships or money or sex they're going to tell you all these truths 
But as well as reminding us, don't go to those things. We don't need to seek out those things to find the truth. When we need consulting, consulting, we come to one place. It's the Word of God. And the Spirit of God, by His Word, tells us what is truth, because this is not clouded in any kind of ignorance. Church, this even applies when someone comes to you with a word or a vision or a prophecy. We don't just accept those things as true. Many times they are true, and that's fantastic. That's how God's speaking to you. But you always have to take it through this filter. When someone comes to me with a prophecy or a word or a vision or a dream about my life, I don't just take that as true on merit. No, no, no. I first have to come. First step, does it line up to this? What God has said in his word. Does it line up to what is true about God? What God says about me? Secondly, if I see that it lines up to God's word, I still have to say, Spirit of God, give me discernment. You are the spirit of truth. Tell me. Show me. Let me feel. Does this sit well? Does this confirm what you've been saying to me? Is this true? The spirit of truth is in you, and he wants to guide you to all truth. He wants to help you find the truth in your life. You don't have to be lost in ignorance. You have the spirit of truth with you. The last thing he wants to do in your life is he wants to empower you for ministry. Look at someone and say, the Holy Spirit empowers me. We're going to speak about this in detail in a few weeks' time. And this empowering happens through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And through that baptism, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is unlock supernatural gifts. He wants to unlock your life so that you can live a supernatural life, so that you can pray for people and those prayers come true. You can lay hands on the sick and they be made well. You can have words for people and prophecy and insight. You can have discernment in life. You can see miracles and signs and wonders. He wants to make you effective in his kingdom. He wants to empower you. And man, it is so beautiful. When you start seeing the Holy Spirit do that through your life, do you know that's evidence to the world that God exists? When they see something in your life they can't explain in any other way, and they know God must be true. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing a visible visible representation of God's power in your life. And so here's what I come to tell you today. You're not alone. You have help. Every single one of us have a helper. And the beautiful thing is he's permanent. He's not going anywhere. This advocate, he's not for you one day and the next day he stabs you in the back. Uh-uh. He's not waiting for you to like be 18 years in the face so he can kick you out the house like maybe your parents did. No, no, no. He's there with you forever. In fact, Jesus made that very clear. He's going to be with us forever. In John 14, as he introduces the paraclete, he says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Forever. The Holy Spirit is there. Forever. He's never going to leave you. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't give up on you. He's committed to you. He's committed to your development and the highs of your faith and the lows of your faith. He's there. He's in it forever. And so I want to ask just, how are you doing with the paraclete? How's it going in your friendship? How's it going? Do you trust him to defend you? Do you trust him to teach you and pray for you and fill you with hope? Do you trust him to change you and empower you? Do you trust him to show you in life what is true? Because he is here. 
He has already been given and he wants to do this life with you. How's it going with the paraclete? Church, I know that the Holy Spirit was not given so that you could ignore him. He was not given so that you could brush him aside or say, hey, I want to try a version of Christianity without this thing. (laughs) No, no, no. He's all we have now. He's who we do life with now. He's who fills us now. He is who helps us now. And if we need help, the good news is help has come. The Holy Spirit, he's for you. How's it going with you and the paraclete? In fact, can I ask you to close your eyes? Perhaps for some of you, some of you, you're realizing that you haven't yet developed friendship with the Spirit of God. Paraclete means friend, and friendship means time, right? It means we're going to spend time together and speak and, and listen. We're going to have fellowship and fun, and we're going to do life with each other. Some of you, you your friendship with the Spirit is, is weak. And you might want to pray right now just into that. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to be friends. I want to work on my friendship with you. Take me deeper in friendship. For some of you, it's not the friendship that's lacking, but perhaps, perhaps it's the Holy Spirit's ability to defend you, to fight for you. Maybe you've been trying to fight every battle on your own while the paraclete watches you and says, I want to help. I want to help. I want to teach you. I want to show you what's true. I'm praying for you. I want to guide you in your prayers. I want to change you. I want to give you hope. I want to empower you. Perhaps you just need to allow the Holy Spirit today to defend you. I don't know what your prayer might need to be today. Wherever you are, maybe you need to pray, Holy Spirit, help me. Perhaps it's Holy Spirit, empower me. Maybe it's teach me. Maybe it's guide me in your prayer or or guide me in truth. Maybe you need to pray, Holy Spirit, fill me with hope today. Whatever it is, I know the Holy Spirit is active. He's in your life, whether you're ignoring him or not. And he wants to be your paraclete. Spirit of God, I want to thank you for what a beautiful promise you've given us. Holy Spirit, thank you for your activity. That you're not a God who's, who just watches us from afar, but you're, you're a God who's in us. We come to you right now with our hearts, some of them hard. We ask that you put a new spirit in us. You put a new heart in us. Deepen our friendship with you, I pray. Deepen our understanding that you're here, that you're for us, that you're defending us and fighting for us. God, for every person tired of the battle, for every person who wants to give up, the trials are too much, the pressure's too much, may you put new hope in us today, I pray. May we see that we are not alone, we've never been alone. You are with us and for us and teaching us and praying for us. Come and change us, we invite you to change us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. In the spirit of prayer, we're going to worship God together. I want to invite you to stand to your feet.